This episode of Wrestling Changed My Life is brought to you by Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament May 21st through the 23rd in Jacksonville, Florida. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. I get super nervous, but as soon as I got on the mat, I was completely fine. Or I got in the cage, I was completely fine. Mm-hmm. It's like time to do work. But when I'd be in the back, you know, I'd put like a, put a towel over my face and then I breathe in deep, breathe out. And then I'd do the holding after, and then I'd be ready to go. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast with your host, Ryan Warner. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We do this for the fans, and I love you all for tuning into this show. Guest today is Paul Bradley, two-time All-American for the Hawks, He then went on to have a 13-year professional MMA fighting career. And now he's the assistant wrestling coach at Queens University of Charlotte. There is nothing but love in this podcast. It's awesome. Paul and I talk for a better part of an hour and a half. I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to my man, Dustin Sanders. That's DCS underscore Sanders on the gram. Thank you for listening, Dustin. We appreciate it, brother. As always, folks, the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat's doing incredible things in the wrestling world. Go to SpartanCombat.com to learn more. And without further ado, let's give it up for the gentleman, Paul Bradley. Peace! Paul Bradley, the gentleman, welcome to the show. Yeah, Ryan, thanks for having me on, man. Big fan. Uh, really enjoyed the John Smith uh, little uh, do- uh, podcast about that, this, the uh, episodes, and good stuff, man. Really enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. I remember the first time I saw you retweet something, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Paul Bradley. So it, it means a lot, man. Yeah. So you, uh, you South Tama, Iowa guy, Middle America guy. Um, now, would you consider South Tama the Quad Cities, or is that a little bit outside of it? Uh, we're actually straight smack dab in the middle of the state. So if you know where Marshalltown, Iowa is, we're about 20 minutes east of that. And then Cedar Rapids, the big city, uh, um, it's about, I want to say, 45 minutes directly west of that on uh, old Highway 30. So, yeah, pretty much in the smack dab in the middle of the state. So Wrestling country. You wrestled oh, yeah. for Iowa. 
We just came out of the Big Tens, man. What do you what do you take away from watching Spencer Lee? I mean, is there anyone that dominant that you've ever seen? I just when I watch him, it's I I just don't get like it's incredible like how good he is on top and it's just like on a whole different level. It's like a man wrestling like boys. It's you know I I try to like I try to think about guys like you know I got pinned one time as a freshman in college or high school and then one time as a freshman in college and what he does to these these really good college guys is just kind of kind of unreal you know what I mean it's he's just on a different level there it's hard to believe like he's actually been beaten in his college career so you know just uh, he's unreal it really is hard to imagine that I was thinking back last night to when he had Tomasello at the big tens. And that, that was a great match, but mm-hmm. man, when he gets on top, he grabs a wrist. It's like, what does he feel like? Oh yeah, man. I, I try to teach his half bar series. Cause he's so good at it, you know, cause he just makes it look easy, but yeah, he's, he's just on a different level. He must just be incredibly strong, like a Gable type strong or something, you know? Yeah. Now I was thinking, uh, if I ever have a kid, I'm teaching him the Spencer Lee uh, high crotch to a dump, and then whatever he's doing on top, because holy smokes, it's yeah. gonna be uh, it, it's just amazing to watch. And thinking to the Olympic trials, knowing that him and Dayton Fix and Gilman, woo, we're gonna have some Crazy. good wrestling. Crazy. Now you, uh, when you were at Iowa, you were around a number of coaches. Who was the coaching staff when you came in? August freshman year, Paul Bradley. Okay, so when I first came in, it would have been uh, Zaleski was ahead. Tom was assistant. Um, and then, man, it's kind of crazy because, like you said, I've been through so many coaches. Third assistant would have been, heck, who, who, who did what? I think it was Bozadic. Then we had McRavy in there. Oh, it might have been McRavy. It was one of the two, but we had McRavy in there. And then, uh, yeah, I believe Bill was our strength and conditioning coach at the time. So, yeah, it, like I said, like you just said, I went through a number of coaching, coaching changes, so it's been kind of crazy. Yeah, you uh, you saw a lot when you were there. And even outside of your own career progression, which ties into this nicely, the, the tension had never been higher in the Iowa room at the time. You know, the winning ways were about to come to a halt for a while, mm-hmm. and maybe they already did. Um, cause 2001, the nationals were in Iowa city and that was the first time Minnesota won. You were a senior right. in high school. Did you go to that one? I did actually. And, uh, you know, being, you know, I'd signed with Iowa at that point, but, uh, being an Iowa fan, it was kind of tough to watch, but, you know, at the same time I got to see history made with Minnesota, which is still pretty incredible. Like I, you can't knock them for that, you know, and it's kind of funny too. Jay Robinson's daughter, Jordan and her son, or his son went to uh, Iowa as well. So I was actually really good friends with Jordan. And uh, she actually used to take care of my dog when we go uh, to oh. weigh dual meets and stuff. So I had that connection. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, being in Iowa City when that happened, although it, you know, my Hawks didn't win it. I mean, it was still incredible to see a team do that because it had never been done before. Yeah, and at Carver Hawkeye, it had to just be crazy. Anytime a Minnesota guy wrestled, everyone's boo and everyone's going nuts. Yeah. Man. So so you get in there, um, a guy from your town, Wes Hand, you know, he had established himself as one of the, the better heavyweights in a long time for Iowa. You get in there, 
like what's the dynamic in the room between between brands and Zaleski at that time? You know, I mean, not a lot of people talk about it. And I, you know, I'm an open book, but it, there was some tension there. It, it was pretty obvious that, you know, Tom, you know, wanted that, wanted Zaleski's job. And, you know, I rightfully so he should have been a head coach somewhere, but there was definitely some tension. Uh, like I said, it's, he didn't want us to lose, but at the same time, it was like, he wanted to be the head guy and he should have been like I said, somewhere. So it was kind of awkward. Like I said, there was kind of like a, there was like, a, it was cut down the middle. So essentially 165 and above was, uh, was, was, you was Zaleski guys. And then below that you were a brands guys. So it was the dynamic, you know, I worked with brands some too, but it was just kind of like unspoken, if that makes sense, you know? Well, it, it does. And I, I've heard that before, but thinking back now, knowing that 01 was the first time Zaleski didn't win. His first four years, they won, 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 and got second. So pretty tough to say he shouldn't have. I'm with you. I think, you know, he earned the right, and Brands obviously could have been a head coach elsewhere. So was it a situation where, like, it was two separate practices, or did you guys all come together on the bleachers ahead of time? Uh, We all came together, you know, before practice, it, that, that dynamic always stayed the same. It was just, there was a little bit of tension there, uh, you know, and uh, not not to jump ahead because I'm sure we'll get to it, but in 2004, I, I want to say it was pretty incredible what we did as a team, you know, sending 10 guys to the Nationals with, you know, some backups in there really, um, and then, uh, you know, winning the Big Ten and then taking second in the nation and, with coach, you know, Zaleski getting big 10 coach of the year and coach of the year, you know, it was, you know, although it's not up to the Iowa standards taking second, I mean, like I said, it was pretty incredible considering we didn't win the, uh, the big 10 dual meet conference, uh, but we won the big 10 championships and took second at the nationals at Oakie stage. So. Yeah. And that you were a big part of that, but for you to even get there, I love this story where you almost transferred to Virginia tech what yeah. oh my god so for folks who don't know your story you're your true freshman year you redshirt take your beatings you know you and jesmond smith um he, he was kind of big brothering you next year you decide to go up a weight and w- what happens then okay so you know I, I i knew i couldn't beat jesmond he just like you said he big brothered me he owned me he would he was a guy and i knew that going in going to iowa is probably gonna have to sit a year you know uh but then you know, maybe ego, maybe just seeing, seeing the atmosphere, being at the dual meets, like you want to be in there no matter what. So I was willing to make the, it's not a sacrifice. I, uh, I lifted hard all summer with the intent to go 97 where Fulsis was. And it was, it, it was a whole at that point, obviously he finished off his career. Like, you know, it's kind of so crazy when you, you're watching his match with Han and they, they list his record as like 54 and 46, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, uh, so the improvement was made, but that being said, I thought that was where I could get in the lineup. And uh, we had a hell of a rust off actually good funny story is Mark Perry was there on the recruiting visit. And he said that was kind of one of the reasons or helped seal the deal for him to come to Iowa was the intensity we had in the rust off. And, uh, it was nuts. Uh, it was close. My singlet got ripped off during the match. So here I am in my uh, 
in my briefs in front of like, you know, in front of a crowd of, I don't know, 400, 500 people in a room. There was some pushing and some shoving, you know, he tried to shove me out of balance. He turned his back to me and I just straight up pushed him right in the back. And uh, there was a controversial call at the end. Uh, a lot of people thought I had two, uh, which would have sent us a third match. And uh, nah, so I, I didn't win the rest off. Uh, I went, you know, won some open tournaments. And then, um, you know, uh, the big thing was I didn't place at the, uh, uh, Midlands. The, the Midlands. Okay. Yeah. So he, I believe he went like one and two and I lost in the blood round to uh, a kid from Michigan who was pretty good, a two-time All-American, uh, but it was close. It was darn close. Um, so after that, I was expecting a rest off. Well, when Zaleski told me I wasn't getting one, I got hot, you know, and I went home and for Christmas break for a little while and trained with Wes Hand and he happened to be in town and I kind of, we kind of, it was kind of, I started to talk with him about VTech and then he, you know, we started talking about it and I'm thinking, you know. And he's at I, Virginia Tech at the time, right? He's at Virginia Tech at the time. So, you know, we're, we're talking, we're talking and I get back and I, uh, I get back to Iowa and I'm, I'm still a little perturbed, you know, a little upset. I didn't get that wrestle off. And, uh, you know, I asked to have a meeting with Zaleski and, you know, we say almost transferred, but I mean, I got in the office and he shut it down immediately. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about going to VTech. And uh, he's like, no, you're not. I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, no, he's like, you're getting better this season. You're traveling with the team. You're the next guy in. He's like, and I know, I know that you're going to, your best bet is to be here. We're going to make you the best we give you the best chance to be a, a national champion. I was like, done. <laughs> that's all he had to say, you know, but that's how it was. You know, he, he just shut it down and it was back in the day where you didn't have a transfer portal. It wasn't easy. And you were kind of, you were kind of stuck with the school you went to, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm happy he did it. Like I said, it was another year for me to grow, be in the grind and uh, travel with the team. And it, it was good. So. Well, the reason I ask is if, if and we'll hit on this next is the, the relationship he had with Zaleski is pretty cool. And you know, Zaleski just does not get a lot of love from his time at Iowa. And he's one of the best college wrestlers ever. And a lot of people say as a coach, he was like the J-Rob of the 90s where he was the guy leading technique and things like that. And so I want to give some, some dabs to Coach Zaleski. But I got to ask first, why would he give you a wrestle-off if Folsis wasn't getting it done? Um. You know, I, I never really, never really questioned it. Uh, it was, he was coming on, you know, at points and, and he would drop down. We got to remember that year, he didn't even, he didn't even make the nationals, but he beat Damian Hahn in the, in the uh, Minnesota Iowa duel like two weeks before. So he had his what? moments. Yeah. Yeah. He beat he, Damien Hunt tried to cradle him and he, he peeked out and beat him in the duel. So it, it was just nuts. And uh, I never really, I guess I just, it was one of those things where I've really never asked questions of why not. But, you know, I attribute that a little bit, bit to me not placing at the, the Midlands. I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't show the coaches like, Hey, I'm the guy, you know, even though I went, I want to say like four and two and I didn't place and neither did Fulsa. So, 
it's kind of a wash. Yeah. And that year you did, did you start a match that year against Minnesota? I did. I okay. got to wrestle, uh, I got to wrestle heavyweight against Garrett Lowney, which was kind of, kind of funny. Here I am like, you know, just, uh, what was it like on a Tuesday or Wednesday before, um, and we wrestled on Friday, we're like sitting in the bleachers, completely un- un- unexpected. Like Zaleski didn't pull me aside before the practice and he's sitting there, you know, he's talking and he's like, Bradley, you're going at heavyweight. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, uh, I got, I got fired up and, uh, yeah. But you got to tell why people, why, why Maka wasn't in there though. What happened? Cause people forget how crazy this, sh- this stuff was. So I, I happened to be traveling with the team at the time. And don't let me forget to bring up the Bozatic incident at that dual meet, which okay. I don't, which is crazy. So we're there at Michigan State. Mako pins, we win. Okay. Like I said, it was a tough year. We're having an off year. And uh, Mako's getting the pin. And it's obvious. He, he's flat. But I don't know if the pressure of the crowd and the ref, he was – you know, it was a lot to take in. And, you know, you guys let me slap me on the back as a rat, you know, as a coach. And uh, he gets up and, yeah, he, uh, the guy, like, says something to him and Mako <laughs> stomps on him. So, you know, water bottles coming down from the crowd. It, it was, it was pretty, pretty ugly. Um, and then uh, a little bit later on, bringing up Bill Zahedek, he's coming back and he's got this giant cut under his eye. Well, I don't even know how the heck it started, but apparently him and Fulsis got into it and Fulsis throws a punch at him and cuts him wide open. Not a lot of people know that. And I'm just like, I still don't know the reason today, but like I said, in the heat of the moment, apparently things got out of hand or, yeah. So it, it, it was bizarre and nuts, but yeah, that's how I started my first match at Iowa. You know, uh, pretty, uh, pretty nuts. Cause uh Thankfully, Mako got suspended for that match and not Big Tens, which, you know, he goes over that in uh, the documentary on Flow. Mako, I mean, had that, had we not had Minnesota, there was no Big Ten tournament for him. So we were lucky in that aspect. Like I said, I got to wrestle Lowney, who, you know, was a Olympic bronze medalist in Graco, super tough. And I had a good match with him. I lost five to two, but uh, yeah, I definitely probably shouldn't have shot a high crotch on my first shot on him, but (laughs) you're just out there shooting from the hip, man. First time with Carver. Dude, I was all fired up. You know, it it was good. Like I said, uh, you know, although we lost actually, uh, there was no pressure on me, uh, with forces having just beat Honda sealed, 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 uh, sealed the dual meet. So that was cool. You know? And, and like that, that story is, it's just one that's legend and Hawkeye history. And I'm trying to remember, was that the year where ESPN followed you guys for the season or was that the so year that, before? That was the first year. Um, that would have been in 2001 to 2002. And uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to stay out of the camera as much as possible being a little freshman, but there's pretty much sadly that my camera time is me exhausted or Jessamyn Smith choking me on the mat. So I did when that came out as a, as a middle schooler who had, when there's no internet, that was the coolest thing I've ever watched. I recorded it, must've watched it 50 times. I mean, that opening scene where brains is sitting there and giving like the montage on why 
wrestling is what it is, it's like unbelievable. What was it like having those cameras around? Were they around like everywhere you guys went? Everywhere. Um, I, like I said, being being a freshman and redshirting that year, I it didn't bother me at all because they weren't following me around. But I can only imagine like, you know, having them follow me around and trying to perform and be the starter and the pressure that comes with that. And as coaches, you know, there was a ton of pressure when you're being followed by, you know, some, someone like ESPN, but yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, I mean, people watch that Okie state part where, you know, the next morning where we lost and it was just as intense as the camera showed. Like it was a miserable, miserable workout. Um, you know, uh, it's funny too. I think of when Zaleski put the box down, uh, you don't see that they cut that out, but he puts a box down before he talks and that, you know what the box is there for. He's going to kick it. Well, he kicks it and gets his foot stuck in it. So it's kind of funny watching him try to shake it off, but you can't laugh. So yeah, that, then they show the part where he, you know, he's, he's yelling at some guys, but yeah, it was the day after was miserable, man. Like I forgot miserable. about that one. He gives the speech where he talks about the he had to go home and watch Gladiator that night. Yes. Oh my yeah, God. These are, you know. And then then they use you know when they're showing uh, domination and they're showing what is it T.J. Williams like shadow wrestling and it's it was awesome. It was intense. But as far as like, yeah, I'm just glad it wasn't when I was like the starter let's put it that way i would have put too much pressure but yeah it was just as intense as as the cameras showed you know when you think about that was brands last year there mako gets second it's it's already a tough year i mean not bad but just tough you know and then you got the cameras around holy smokes that must have been an interesting just to correct you brands last year was actually my in 2004 got it yeah so he was only at virginia tech for two years then right yeah Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So one of the things um, I heard you on the Quad City area podcast and got to give love to those guys. I'm from the Quad Cities. One of the things you said, though, before you really turned the corner at Iowa was when you came in, you were beating Tyler Nix or not going good with them. But then when you started getting beat by um, Jasmine Smith, your confidence lowered and you were doing worse against the other guys, too. Talk about that a little bit. And like, why do you think that that happened? Like I said, when I first came in, granted, I wasn't wrestling Jessman every day, but I was wrestling like Ben Shirk, who, you know, at that point in his career, he's pretty, pretty wobbly. And, but he was an All-American. I like, you know, I was beating him. I was beating a lot of guys in the room. Um, And to beating Tyler Nix, uh, let's just put it this way. Everyone knows that he's not a great practice room wrestler, so I can't take too much credit. He's When the lights are on, he's, he's damn good. And I'm sure I wouldn't have beat him in a real match. But, like, in the room, we all know he's not a great practice room guy. And we all, we all know that the practice room champions sometimes don't perform, you know, in the big – under the lights. But, yeah, once I started wrestling Jasmine, he just yeah, took it to me, man. Like, like I said, I – I had one takedown that entire year and brands happened to be right there and he's hooting and hollering from the side. And then I pick him up and I return him hard. And then he gets out and proceeds to just completely annihilate me. But not to get off subject, like I said, once he started just taking it to me, like I got in this slump where I didn't have a 
takedown to like February, you know, unless I was wrestling like another freshman or, you know, not a great sophomore, but yeah, Nick started killing me. Forces was killing me. Like it was, it was a lot to take in. Like I said, those beatings from Jessman helped, but at, at the same time, it put me in a huge slump that freshman year. You battled through though, man. And you, you come back, you know, the, the year, your sophomore year, where you talked about, um, or your retro freshman year, where you talked about where you, Zaleski said, you're not leaving, you decide to stay. Um, and that really created a bond with you and Zaleski. Talk about like, the influence he had on you as a coach. Awesome guy. Uh, you know, what is it? You know, some former wrestlers say they, you know, jump on a grenade for Gable. I would do that for Zaleski in a second to this day. Uh, he really believed in me and he showed it. Uh, and I think him seeing me and how determined, but yet frustrated I was that I wasn't in the lineup in that, uh, what was it? Oh, two, oh, three season. He, he kind of pulled me aside and took me under his wing type thing. And we started, uh, we went down to what was it junior uh junior uh junior world trials and i took fourth i lost that i'll never live that one down but then again he became you know a true fresh or true freshman all-american uh jd bergman got beat by a high school kid in the semis <laughs> in overtime and then asked him for third and fourth but no he saw he saw my progression and then uh that summer was huge so what we did, we started, he started bringing me out to his place, what, maybe two times a week. And he had me drill on him. And uh, then we did some strength and conditioning out the end, out in his yard. He had this long hose, which you wouldn't think pulling a hose is that hard, like a garden hose. But whatever it was, by the end, it was hard. Like you're pulling, pulling, pulling. And he'd run it back down. But that summer was huge for me. Like, like I said, technically. You know, technical wise, it was like these little adjustments he gave me that uh, I really turned the corner that summer. And I credit him with literally like getting me to the next level, so to speak. That's cool that even then, you know, in his older age, he was still drilling and working out with you guys in the summer and not just passing it down to an assistant. Not at all. And, you know, get, get, getting back to that, I knew I turned the corner, um, you know, because that was Jessman's. Uh, after the uh, the nationals, I started getting those takedowns, and then I was losing, you know, six to four in like an actual match. And before, like I said, I, he used to just kill me, like it was awful. But that's when I knew I could compete. Is when I finally was keeping it close with Jesse Smith. So, and before we get to your uh, your redshirt sophomore year, I gotta ask, just at a just from afar, I don't know if you wrestled him too much, but. When Mako came in the room as a freshman, I mean, what what in the hell was he like in there? He, you know, he's intense. I mean, you get what you see, but a lot of people don't see how he was a really fun guy to be around, man, like outside the room. But when he's in that room or he's thinking about training, that's all it is. Boom, 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 100% training, you know. Uh, I He always wanted to train. We'd be sitting in his house, let's go train. I'm like, damn, Mako, all right, let's go, you know, but he was one of those guys, like, you know, you think of the, listening to one of your podcasts, you talk about the Steiner brothers training the three times a day type thing. Well, Michael, I can't keep up with you, dude. Like you're legitimately a savage, you know? Um, and it, it, and it would have burned me out, but you know, I trained with him, you know, I think I, we talked about this a little bit. Um, so, you know, his freshman year, he doesn't accomplish what, what he 
you know, set out to do. And the second year, you know, he's on, he's on the tear. He, he's ready to get that national title. Well, you slowly but surely start to see our heavyweights getting injured here and there. And I don't want to say they were like, you know, faking it, but you didn't want to wrestle Mako. That's how bad he was. He was, he was out there to hurt you, torture you, put you in pain. So, you know, guess who's, who's the next up? Me. Cause I'm the, I'm the back of 197. Cause they're not going to put forces with him. He'll get broke, you know, like he'll, you know, that's just how Mako was. And, uh, so they wouldn't put the starting 197 with them. That was like a known thing. No, 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 no way. Well, Fos has had a bad neck anyways, but, and we all know Mako, that's all he does is club your head. So that year he won it. I essentially was his training partner all season. Like I said, we had about three or four heavyweights that were out with injury. so. (laughs) So who would like, who would work out with him if you weren't did, did my man, uh, Coach O from Coke College come down once in a yeah, while? To- yeah, I saw Coach O in there a few times. Uh, I believe, yeah, Wes, no, Wes wasn't there yet. Or he was in VTAC. He was, I, I keep forgetting, Wes was, he was either there my freshman, I believe he might have been there that year. So I think Wes Hand was still there, honestly. Uh, Got it. Because he left, would have been my sophomore year when I actually started. Wait, no, he was at VTAC. So he was there one year. Um, so, yeah, Coach O. Um, and then they used to bring in some, like, foreign guy. And it was kind of weird because, like, we couldn't practice in the same environment. It was against NCAA rules. So what they did was – it was funny. It was, like, almost like a shower curtain that went all the way across. And they pulled it. And Maka would be on one side wrestling this guy and getting, you know, practice. And we'd be on the other side. It was – it's kind of funny, man, but oh kind of crazy. God. Yeah, that's yeah. that's wild. I mean, but you think about there's just not that many bodies who are that big and who can go 90 minutes five days a week. I mean, pretty insane. And you were you were telling some stories that back then it, this was the old school days where you might have a practice where it's just first guy to quit 45, 60 minutes. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, I figured that out uh through Jasmine Smith because he would grab me every time, first one to quit. Well, this is kind of funny bringing it back, but the summer, I'll never forget, he, he, we're wrestling in, uh, you know, we have summer camps, it's like 100 degree heat in, in the, the field house too, you know, so it was one of those days, wrestle till someone quits, well, he starts choking me, and literally, Bent Lake Turk has his arm around my neck, and yeah, man, I started throwing up all over myself, it was bad, and uh, he's like, ugh, ugh. And I get up and I'm still trying to wrestle. He's like, no, dude, you quit. You quit. I was like, no, I didn't quit. And here I got puke on the side of me. But yeah. So from then on, whenever I heard we had that practice, I would, (laughs) this is kind of sad. I would always grab a freshman. And what I would do is I would get them in that same move. It's essentially a bow and arrow. And then I'd come across and cross base and I'd get my hands locked. And I just slowly start notching my hands up, up, up. And, I choke him unconscious, and that's I did that to two freshmen actually <laughs> two years in a row because I knew it'd be the end of the practice. Because if not, no one's gonna quit, you know. And uh, like I said, some of those other guys, two three hours, you know, they'd still be going. But I I figured out the figured out how to get them to quit. You know, match is over. You got passed out. So that's some tribal knowledge you learn right there. Oh yeah, learned it the hard way, unfortunately. 
What can you tell us about Mark Perry in the room? He was one of my idols growing up. I know he was on the teams when you were there, um, at least a couple of the years. Did you, did you, were you close with him or do you, does anything jump out of just working out with him every day, year in and year yeah. out? Yeah, extremely close with Mark. Um, when he came in, uh, we're kind of like from the same niche, you know. Uh, Iowa was like a little bit more rough around the edges back then. So when Mark came in, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air. Like I, we really vibe. We were good. We became really good friends. Um, you know, loved his style. Loved the way he wrestled. Loved how, he, you know, obviously going against the, uh, going against the grain coming to Iowa. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Um, but no, me and Mark were super close. Uh, you know, he was actually my drill partner at the Nationals my uh, in 2004. So extremely good guy, man. And then, uh, like I said, he came in the lineup that next year and made it to the NCAA Finals, took second, and then went up to 74 the following year and took third, lost to Herbert in the semis, and but still pulled out that Gorian Award, man. So uh, extremely good guy, man. He... A lot of people don't know, man, Mark had a serious, serious neck injury that would have been his sophomore year when he was wrestling 74. It's kind of amazing he was able to wrestle at that level and throughout the rest of his career. So, Yeah, that weight is so filthy to look back on, to think right. that – and then what Askren did to Herbert is right. just right. unbelievable. I mean – yeah. Flo did a great documentary on Askren and that, that match is kind of profiled, but then you forget that Mark Perry was in the mix, man. It's like, God dang. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, what Herbert did to, you know, Perry and the, like I said, not taking anything away from Herbert. I mean, yeah. Mark was extremely injured, like, you know, herniated neck and probably needs surgery to this day, but he he's kind of fighting it. Uh, but yeah, what Herbert did to Perry in the sound lines and then, you know, he goes in the finals and Askren does that to him. It's like, dang, man, it was a stacked weight. Definitely. Now you're one of my favorite parts about your career is, and this is just me looking at the brackets going into the nationals, your redshirt sophomore year, you were the 12th seed. Right. Right. Dude, you yeah. make it all the way to the semis. You wrestle Greg Jones, one of the goats lose yeah. that one. Come back though. And did you get third or fourth? I got fourth, so I, I tell my tell my guys, my athletes here all the time. It, it, you know, we got our national tournament coming up this week, and we're unfortunately we're only sending one guy. We we should have should have taken four, honestly. We uh, right there, our team wrestled above their seeds, but not getting off topic. But yeah, like I said, it doesn't matter your seed. Like I said that that year, I was a 12th seed, made, made it to the semis. I lose to Greg Jones, and then I lose to the defending national champ for third and fourth. Jake Rolshall. So, yeah, you know, so what do you think? So you're, you're coming into that tournament. I don't know if you're a big self-talk guy or, or, or what, but like, how are you getting yourself mentally ready? Like Thursday morning when the tournament starts? My, my thing I tell, tell the athletes even here is the big 10. My thing was always, I'd start off real hot and then I'd hit the big 10 season. And it's like such a grind. You never get a break. Every, every single weekend you have two matches and the guy's probably either a top 20 guy or a top 10. And the, the smallest, it's like, you're so close and level that it's just like a grind. So I used to get in these slumps where I'd end up, you know, four and four, or six and four. But like, I looked at the national tournament, like, 
oh my God, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And I've, I've been through the grind. I've been through all these tough matches. Oh, I'm wrestling this kid from Fresno State. He hasn't wrestled the Big Ten schedule, you know? So in that respect, it was a lot of self-talk. And oh, d- before I forget, you know, like I said, I'm a huge fan, Ryan. But listening to your interview with Metcalf, and he talks about that class that was supposed to be a joke, relaxation techniques. That, mm. That's the name of the class. He didn't know the name. I took that class and I'll tell you what, I, he's 100% right. It's true. Like you take your breath and you hold, I use that all the way through that season, all the way through my fight career. And it really helped to call me, but, uh, Thursday morning, I'm thinking, all right, it's time to go. I'm excited. Uh, three more hard days of wrestling. And like I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where, you know, it's not where I'm in Iowa city in February. There's no students here. We're training two to three times a day. It's dark when I go in, it's dark when I come out. It's like, you know, it's starting to become nice out, things like that. Like light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, like I said, I like to say, and it's just time to go out and compete. So. And yeah, I mean, this time of year, it's really right about now is what you're talking about. Days start getting longer. Things just feel better, you know, and you're, right. you're excited about it. Um, and so when you got fourth, was that the year Iowa got second? Right, right. Man, right. pretty incredible to think that, you know, in the, in the midst of Oklahoma State's run, you guys pull off a second um, and like you said, win the Big Tens. It's just, it's just amazing to see that. Obviously, you wrestled way above your seat and that, that was a big part of that. Um, right. But going back to your breathing technique, so what was it? You, you kind of very simple, breathe in for five and hold, breathe out? Or was there Yeah, some- yeah. So you would, uh, you know, first you'd start with just deep breaths. And I would always do this in the back, like, because I'd always be super, super anxious. But it's weird, like, it, it was the same thing in my fighting career. Like, I get, I get super nervous, but as soon as I got on the mat, I was completely fine. Or I got in the cage, I was completely fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, time to do work. But when I'd be in the back, you know, I'd put like a, put a towel over my face and then I breathe in deep, breathe out. And then I'd do the holding after, you know, after I kind of, I guess, got warmed up, so to speak. <laughs> and then it just like calmed me down and then I'd be ready to go. And then before I went out, you know, get a quick little short warm up and time to go. So it, like I said, it, it's kind of funny that Metcalf brought that up because I knew exactly what class he was talking about which it's one hour credit. It's supposed to be one of those ones just to fill your, you know, make you a full-time student if you're at, you know, 11 hours or whatever. But dude, it was like really, it was a really good class, man. Really effective class. And I still use it today. And it was, yeah, it was awesome. I'm going for a run as soon as we're done. I might throw on that Metcalf episode. Cause that's been a minute since that happened. And oh yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm way back listening to the very beginning ones. So dude. I'm honored, man. Thank you. Um, and if you listen to the show, you know, one of the things I, I try to hit on some, some, some climaxes and then some times where you had some self-reflection and learned, there's a couple I want to pick from. Tell me about this 10 day period when you're living in San Diego, you go to Russia, things I, from what I understand was a really tough period. And now you wouldn't be the coach you are now without that. What happened during that time? Oh man, I call it, I call it my 11 days of hell. Uh, you know, it was one of those things where I was going through a really bad breakup. Uh, you know, there was some really bad things that, you know, 
financial things that was going on the side, you know, with money mm-hmm. that I didn't know about that, you know, came to the forefront. So, you know, I go over to first, I, I, you know, I go fight in New York city and I lose a split decision in Houston Okami, which that was tough, you know, and then I get this offer to go fight in Russia in six weeks. And uh, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to use that money to take care of this financial thing. And uh, I'll go do that. So I'd moved out from my ex uh, about a month before and uh, I'm living with these, uh, living with these new guys that I was working. Cause at the, at the time I was trying to take care of that financial thing by working a, a night job as a, a security guy uh, in San Diego. Well, I, uh, you know, I go to Russia and uh, I leave my dog with the new roommates and, or not my new dog, uh, my, my dog, I leave him with the new, new roommates. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I go over there and I lose it. It's a great fight. Russia, you know, they love me. They, you know, it was quite the experience fighting in 25,000 25, screaming, crazy Russian fans in the Olympic stadium. So in Moscow, yeah. In Moscow, right in the heart of it. Yeah, Holy it, smokes. Yeah, it was crazy. They, it, there's, you know, it's a wild west out there. And the guy I was fighting, he, uh, he was banned in America for steroids for two years. And of course we get, we don't get drug tested over there. How juiced up was he, dude? You know, I'm going to assume he probably was, but like I said, how would I know? But like I said, he was literally suspended in, in the U S for two years. And he had just knocked out Melvin Manoff. So that guy was a beef back then with a spinning back fist. So you know, we're over there and it, it was crazy. Like I Dude, said, he didn't even weigh in just from the article I found. Oh, so yeah, he didn't show up. And uh, then we did like an official like weight, fake weigh in a few hours later. And uh, like I said, th- those are all things like I, 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 I can't control those. I can yeah. only control me. So, you know, a few hours later, he shows up, blah, blah, blah. But some things I, I want to point out about that trip that was so nuts, like it's Russia and it just showed, you know, first we're driving in and there's a big, big uh, billboard of Trump in a Russian hat. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we get to the hotel and there's bullet casings outside and it's a nice hotel. And I'm like, what in the world? But getting to the arena, same thing, you know, like kind of like in wrestling, you know, I'm all jittery. But as soon as I get to the arena, I fall asleep. Like I'm like in my comfort zone, you know, it's when you're not in the environment where I'm like this, but as soon as I get to the arena, like I sleep for like two hours, but uh, it's, it's funny too. Cause they come into my locker room and uh, they're like, Oh, don't, don't come out. They, they're a live animal coming through. I'm like, what do you mean? So I like peek my head out the locker room door. Man, there's a guy walking out with a bear. Like that was his walking. <laughs> he has a bear on a leash. And I'm like, what in the world? No. His nickname was the bear. But so yeah. So that was like his his walking to the ring mascot. They brought right. the bear. The bear stands up and his weight, he waves at the bear. The bear starts waving at him. <laughs> and then I come out to uh Country Boy Can Survive. And uh I had like dancing cowgirls and it was crazy. They were on tight ropes doing backflips. Like it was quite the, quite the event. Let's put it that way. And uh, like I said, I lost and uh, 
great fight. Um, like I said, they offered me a contract, but I was already signed a World Series of Fighting at the time, American organization. And uh, so I'm coming back and, you know, I stopped by New York and stayed there for a night. Uh, well, actually, no, I didn't. Uh, I was thinking about staying there for a night and I didn't, thank God. So I get back and, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, man, I don't want to get choked up, uh, but I get back and uh, uh, my dog's, uh, it's, you can tell he's really sick and, uh, it, you know, he's really dehydrated and you can see his ribs and, uh, you know, uh, he takes a drink of water, he throws up and I, I'm really having like, almost like a nervous breakdown because that's my best friend. And that's all I had at that time. I, I, I was kind of, kind of in my own little world. And, uh, especially with yeah. the thing with your, your own relationship going down. Right. I mean, that's so like, this yeah. is like, so what happened? Did your roommates not take care of him or? So I, it's not his fault and I forgave him, but I did, I did hold like a really severe anger and a grudge almost towards him. But, he was kind of a dirty, dirty guy. And uh, like, for instance, he couldn't see anything on his floor in his bedroom. Well, the washer and dryer was in there and uh, he had flooded the house when I was gone. Well, he, my dog would always chew on anything that was wet. And apparently it feels good on the back of their gums or something. Well, he, what had happened was he had chewed on a towel and it, he had swallowed a piece of it and it wrapped around his intestines. And it was like someone killing him. And, uh, so yeah, I got back and I, 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 you know, I ended up unfortunately uh, going over to my exes and it was a mess and telling her, hey, you need to, you know, you need to come see Ice in the morning. He's dying. And uh, so, man, uh, she comes over and he like, he, uh, he greets her and he greets me and then he like goes and lays on the grass and uh, puts his head down and it's like, you just know. And, uh, so I took him in and, uh, got the surgery. Uh, it was like 3,500, you know, I have him, you know, staying in the hospital overnight and that's like another 1500. So by the end, uh, he died on a Thursday and I spent essentially over $10,000 trying to save him. And then, uh, about a week later, I, you know, I, I, I moved again. So I moved like three times in a month. Cause I, you know, I just, like I said, I forgave the guy. It wasn't his fault, but like, mm -hmm. like I just, at that time, like there was so much anger. So I'd moved into another place and, uh, yeah, uh, I was still like hurting a month, a week later. And I'm like, well, what's, what's the best thing you can do is like, I got my Harley. I love, that's how I, and I just, uh, I came around a blind corner and, uh, yeah, man, there was a car stalled out and I hit it probably at 55, 60 miles an hour right in the back end. So, holy shit. Yeah. So, you know, I was on the ground. Uh, you know, uh, I was in shock more or less. There wasn't pain. But uh, yeah, uh, I had uh, essentially down the middle, they, it, I, my lips were gone. So I was like trying to talk. And they were over here and I'm like, why can't I talk? And right here, like bone, it, it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, so yeah, I ended up in the hospital. I was actually discharged the next day. So yeah, it was rough, man. And, uh, you know, I didn't know at the time I, I had actually broken my back in the accident. Um, 
but uh, yeah, the, the doctor said if I have, wasn't as strong and like as fit as I was, I, I should have been dead. So it was, uh, it was nuts, man. So it was uh, some really tough days ahead. There was some depression that I went through from it. Um, you know, not a lot of us wrestlers like to talk about those things because we're brought up to be tough and, you know, mentally strong and all that. But no, it, it was rough. And, uh, you know, uh, just to answer your final, you know, you always ask how has wrestling changed your life? Yeah. That's wrestling. I would have never made it through something that mentally grueling if I had not been through what I've been through with wrestling. So not to jump ahead and no, know, yeah. already answer that question, but like, I was thinking that cause you always ask that question. Well, wrestling prepared me for those challenges that I faced during those dark, dark times. So, um, you know, essentially the, like I said, I didn't even know my back was broken at the time. And then, uh, when I did figure it out, it was like seven months later and we got the surgery and tried to come back and fight and just wasn't the same guy. You could tell my timing was a little bit off and, you know, you know, everyone will say even in wrestling, it's a game of inches and you're off by that much, you yeah. know, that's all it takes. So, you know, I tried to do two fights seven months after surgery, which probably wasn't smart and just realized, uh, it's time to move on. So I move on with my life and, uh, blessing in the skies kind of because they got me, you know, to where I'm at today. And who knows, I, I could be one of those guys still trying to compete where, you know, at my age, it wouldn't probably been smart, you know? So I think everything happened for a reason. It was just a really dark time in my life at that point. And like, like I said, to answer that question, how did wrestling change my life? It, it prepared me for that dark, dark time. So and it's crazy that when you're, you know, as a young man, you probably thought, uh, you know, losing a match or, you know, I know for sure, like your junior year of high school, you, the state tournament was a pretty big time for you. So right. like, but then you look at, all right, when real life hits, you know, right. I've had some traumatic relationship things happen, but nothing like that, where you got financial problems, you got your best friend, you got a relationship and your health, all that's gone. I can't imagine the, you know, the, the place you were in mentally in the, in the weeks after that. And I was really asking just to understand how did you get out of it? Cause there's a lot of people listening who are either in some pain, uh, physical pain or emotional pain, or they're in a lot of pain. And just hearing that uh, someone like you, who's like just the ultimate man's man, you were going through that too, is kind yeah. of a, uh, in a weird way, reassuring to folks out there who maybe aren't, you know, two time all Americans at Iowa. And so, any any tips on how you came out of that? Yeah, um, and like I said, I'm I'm more than happy to open up about that type of stuff. Like I said, I battled depression. Um, it does run in my family. My mom, um, you know, she suffers from it, but you know, she she manages it well. Um, like I said, I I always was taught, you know, at Iowa, you got to be mentally tough. You can't show any emotion. You can't do this, and I think that can be very unhealthy. Not to let these things out and when they continue to build 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 you know that's what how breakdowns happen and that's essentially you know what i had was a mental i'm not afraid to say it when the dog died i pretty much had a mental breakdown you know um but how i got out of that therapy um and i'm not afraid to say that i had a sports psychologist all the way through my fight career who was doubled as a therapist and uh, there was a lot of time spent there um getting through this and uh he didn't particularly agree with 
me going back to my ex after the accident, which, which I did because I honestly, I needed someone to take care of me. I was that messed up and, uh, he was right in the long run, but at that time I didn't have many choices and I did a lot of therapy, a lot of soul searching. I, you know, I, I dug into my kids wrestling club I had in San Diego and really focused on them. Um, you know, because obviously watching them succeed makes me happy and Mm -hmm. watching them grow as little, little athletes and little, little people is amazing as well. So I dug myself into that when I was able to get back to training. I got myself dug into that. And I just surrounded myself with good people, man. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz just fought this weekend. And uh, he he was kind of instrumental in this. So when I first met Dominic, he, he was kind of a miserable person, if I'm being quite honest. Like, he was always angry, always negative. Well, he cha- has changed since then and is a very positive person and he's very nice to be around now. So being around him a lot too really helped change. Um, and like I said, I just surrounded myself with really good people, you know, very good teammates, friends, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, we became really close during that time. Um, was Phil guy. Davis down there at all? Yeah. Phil Davis is down there. So yeah, I saw Phil a lot, but he's kind of doing, you know, he's married, has his own little thing going, you know? So no, I just, like I said, I ingrained myself with uh, throwing myself with good people, my kids club, and uh, just, uh, you know, got myself out of the rut, you know, got myself out of the hole, and it worked out, man. Like I said, everything works out for a reason, even uh, even the losses in fighting, and uh, at the end, it wasn't how you want to finish, but I mean, who really ever finishes on top when they retire, so Dude. it all worked out, man. And the craziest thing is that even if you do, a lot of times people still have those regrets. But to me, it's 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 cool how you you came out of it, and now you're coaching at a at a is it Queens University or Queens College? Yeah, Queens University, Charlotte, right? Queens here University, in, uh, in Charlotte, but, North Carolina. And they, it's cool that Division Two program. It hasn't right. been around that long, the program, mm-hmm. and you're out there growing it. I mean, it, to me, you must have learned so much from just you know, coaching the youth kids is, is one thing, but then you're coaching kids who, you know, maybe wrestling at the collegiate level is a new experience for them. And you're coming from the big 10. It must be a, a learning experience for you to try and, you know, convey your philosophy while still keeping the guys engaged. Right. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Uh, we have, uh, we have some really good, uh, we have some really good kids here. Um, we're tech, we're in our fourth year, but technically it's our third as far as a division two. Mm -hmm. um sanctioning anyways uh no it's uh it's been great like I said uh like I said everything happens for a reason you know when I uh when I retired from fighting I didn't have a plan I did not have a plan at all so what I do I went straight into construction scaffolding and it was a rough miserable job um you know hanging off buildings you know seven eight stories up and you're carrying heavy material and it's super dangerous so, uh, you know, I'm up in Seattle, Washington, and I'm like, man, I got to get out of this. Like, this is not, it's not for me. It's not like a, a career that, you know, this is a young man's career, you know, um, and there's, you know, there's no retirement and something like that, and blah, blah. So I'm like looking, scrolling through Indeed, and I know I want to get, you know, the more I'm starting to coach this youth club, I'm like, I really like, like being on kids, you know, and so I'm starting to think maybe I get my teaching degree. Well, that costs this much. Well, what if I just got back into college coaching 
And, uh, you know, cause they pay for it, you know, cool. So I'm looking, I'm looking, obviously this is in November. There ain't no jobs open. Well, there is one job open and it's Queens university. Like, okay. Well, that's a little odd. And well, it's in Charlotte. I've been there one time for, you know, a UFC fight back in the day, corner and uh, Jacob Volkman and Nick Lentz. I'm like, oh, well, it seemed like a pretty good town. And so I apply and they get back to me and they actually flew me out in the week before the nationals uh, two years ago. And uh, yeah, man, had great bit, you know. And it went from November through March. Were you guys like staying in contact or did you kind of apply so, and forget about it? So I applied and he got back to me in maybe january i think i had to follow up uh with with tate coach tate and uh he's like yeah man let's get you out here and like uh yeah it would have been this week actually uh last year it's all it's like showing up on my memories my interview and all that so yeah this week last or excuse me the week before it would have been last week Mm -hmm. but uh they fly me out everything goes great and then uh, i go back to california and uh so then California, I'm still applying to other jobs because, you know, I don't, I think I have this lockdown, but you never know. So I'm applying. Uh, I had interviews at Cal Baptist set up, um, Sacred Heart. Um, I want to say there might have been another one. At, like, I think I even applied to the grad assistant, like Minot State. Like I said, I was just one, I would have done anything to get out of that work I was in. And uh, so, you know, I, I actually, uh, I'm applying, I'm applying. Well, I get the job at Queens in June and, uh, I actually, you know, I called, I, I believe Baptist and Sacred Heart. And I'm like, Hey man, I need to expedite my interviews and I need to find out an answer as quick as possible. Cause it's not fair to keep Queens waiting this and that. Well, you know, they couldn't expedite them. And I just said, Hey, I, I got to take the offer. Cause you know, there's no guarantee I'm going to get those two other jobs. And if I let this one sit and I may go to someone else. So thank God I, I took the job. And like I said, it, it's been amazing. Uh, I've coached at the division one level, Indiana as a volunteer assistant in university of Buffalo division one. And I love D2. I'm not going to lie. It's more personable. I feel you get really get to know your student athletes and you wear many hats in it. Let's put it that way. We're tracking there, you know, at, at a big 10 school, you have, you know, people who track your students' grades, this and that. We have to do all that. We have to get them signed in the study hall. Um, so the thing I like about it most is when I'm recruiting a kid, I really have to sell them on who we are as a university and people. And it's like, it's really cool, man. You make really good, close, personal relationships with these kids where sometimes at Iowa, you know, that freshman, sophomore year, you kind of you just feel like a number, you know, you're not the guy. So it's been really good, man. It's been really good. That's awesome. And you're, you eventually, you're going to have your teaching degree. So, I mean, God, who knows what you can do with that. And man, you've lived in some of the best places ever. San Diego, just the best. And North Uh, Carolina has to be pretty sweet. uh, Yeah, I love it. We're actually, uh, me and my fiance, we're building uh, right across the border. So a lot of people don't know about, I don't know, whoever did the, uh, whoever did the, 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 borderlines of uh charlotte or not charlotte but north carolina and south carolina i mean they must have been like drunk because <laughs> charlotte is like in this little like almost u-shape and then you go straight like i'm literally in downtown charlotte right now but i'm only 10 mi- miles away from south carolina which 
we're going to be moving to Tega K uh, or Tega K, which is right across the border. Like beautiful house, so 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 much cheaper living out here, man. So much cheaper. And uh, but no, it, to not get too far a point, I could drive from where I'm going to live. I could go right and go east, and y'all keep going straight on the road, but I'll end up back in North Carolina. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> and then I'll keep going, and then you'll go further down and end up in Wilmington. It's like, who did the border, man? Like I said, it's super weird. But, uh, yeah, literally, um, yeah, we're going to be moving to South Carolina here soon, going down there, and uh, going to be, I think, 0.5 from, uh, from Lake Wiley. So starting to try to look into getting a boat. And, uh, no, nah, it's it's awesome out here. I love I'll it. I'll be out there for the inaugural boat ride. <laughs> yes. Heck, yeah. I'm, I'm excited, man. Whenever you want to come out, you let me know. We're going to actually, uh, like I said, we're going to have a nice house. So we're going to have guest bedrooms and already starting to get stuff set up for man cave, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah. Love you know, it. Charlotte's uh, a great place. And San Diego's amazing, but it's one of those things, like, this is how I explain it to people. Um, so when I was out there, I was making good money fighting and didn't really notice. But one day you wake up, you're like 35 years old. You realize you can't buy anything unless you're making, you know, 200 plus and you probably got three or four roommates and you're working seven days a week. And it's just, that's how, that's kind of what, what happened to me is I'm working seven days a week and I'm just like, it's time to get out of here, man. Like I can't afford it. You know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's a place of, uh, you know, some of the most formidable years of my life right after grad school where I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I bombed the yeah. test. I went into sales, lived in San Francisco for five years. When you're in California, it is mate. You're on your own dog eat dog. It's super right. expensive, super competitive. It's like, it's like a shaping period. I mean, you went through that at Iowa, but really when you're out right. there you don't, if you're not from there, it's like a different world. Oh yeah, man. Like I said, it's great to visit it, but hard to live there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, the prices just keep going up there and you know, it's my, my fiance who I met out there, uh, you know, she was living in a studio downtown for 2200 a month and, uh, our mortgage at the new place is going to be less than that. It's brand new. It's three stories. It's a beautiful townhome. It's just absurd. And, you know, if you would take our town home that we're getting built right across the border in South Carolina and put it in San Diego, it's 800,000 or more. It's just crazy, man. Crazy. And it's cool that, you know, just to see your journey come full circle, man, I'm super excited what you're doing out there at at Queens university. Um, Also knowing that, you know, I have some friends who coach at co the D two and the D three, those regionals are, ruthless and unforgiving man there's no no room for air there's not enough qualifiers in my opinion i don't think people realize how tough those regionals are dude no it's i try to so i'm 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 learning a little bit more and getting better at it but you know every kid wants to go d1 now yeah they you know it's all over the tv uh you can you can see it everywhere. And here's the other thing I want to point out too, because I like you give me this platform to talk and I, I love it. And a lot of people listen. It's like these clubs, they need to start understanding like D1 isn't always the end, you know? Um, a lot of these guys go there and they're just a practice partner for four or five years. Where at D2, they can honestly go there and, you know, be successful. Um, and like you just said, the competition really isn't that far off. If you look at even our region here, 
a lot of people don't know this, but uh, we have seven Division One schools here in uh, North Carolina, only behind what? Yeah, we got a ton. Believe it or not, you got Campbell, you got Gardner Webb, you got Duke, you got NC State. You have, I know, I'm already missing. Yeah, App State. These are all right here. Um, Holy shit! Yeah. So props to the Carolinas for building out there. I mean, real. I don't know if have that. No. So yeah. And I, I'll get, I'll get to that too. I use it as a recruiting tool. So here, here's the thing. Like a lot of these guys in our, even our region are D one fallouts. Uh, you know, just thinking of Mitch Dean over at Belmont Abbey, he was at Clarion, uh, you know, but I, I do use it as a recruiting tool as in, you know, it's easier to go up than it is to go down. So if you're at a division one, it's harder to come to D two, but it's easier to go D two to D one out. I'll tell the guys who I'm recruiting, if they're on the cusp of a, like a D1 athlete, I have no problem releasing you if you come here and dominate, win two national titles, whatever. And you're just, you want that challenge. I have no problem. But first, you got to prove yourself once you get here. And But yeah, uh, so I do use that as a recruiting tool. And like I say, like we have seven of them right here in the state of North Carolina for you to look at. And uh, yeah, um, but like, not to get too far off, if you look at our region, a lot of those guys are, like I said, D1 dropouts. You know, uh, last year, Pembroke had a kid, uh, I want to say it was like 25 years old, Key, last name Key, rested at App State. Well, heck, he was a national qualifier in like 2015, I think, and won a match. <laughs> it was like the 14th. Yeah, it was like the 14th seed. Uh, but yeah, he he was at, you know, he was at Pembroke and number one and uh just what is it two weekends ago you know isaiah royal who's the number one seed or number one seed at the region and number one in the nation he gets beat 11 to 2 in the semifinal so takes third thankfully gets a wild card but yeah it's just nuts man the level of wrestling at d2 it's not far off from d1 at all if and i like to talk about that a lot too is you take the top one or two guys at, at the, the nationals uh, in D2, I, they can compete at D1. Are they going to be all Americans? Maybe, maybe not. But uh, I look at the kid from uh, central Oklahoma, 84, that kid's good. Like he, he would challenge for all American, if not a national title. He is super, he, I believe his name's Heath Gray. Mm-hmm. Same thing. He went to Oklahoma and then he transferred to central Oklahoma, but really good, really good kid. And, yeah, man. Uh, it's no joke. D2 is no joke. Not so. at all, man. And we got to we gotta support all the programs. So it's awesome that someone like you is out there um, yeah. helping helping build that program. I hope you get a kids club started soon. And, and uh, you guys are dueling compound, the North Carolina versus Georgia. I mean. So, yeah. Serious. So, yeah, not to cut you off. But no, no, go I, ahead. I, I got to give them a shout out. Uh, I'm actually a uh, assistant coach for the youth program. Uh, over at Dark Horse Wrestling Club here in North Carolina. Let's uh, go. Right here in Charlotte. Yeah, they're good, man. Uh, great kids. I mean, their facility alone is like, dude, like it's amazing. It's better than most college rooms. Like we. What's we'll it called? These- Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Dark Horse Wrestling Club. So yeah, I, I work primarily with the youth in middle school. We have high school there. Obviously, I don't try to work with them too much, just because conflict of interest being a college coach. And mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a great program. Like I said, I'm able to still coach the youth and be around those kids. Cause like I said, I love kids and it is a passion, but I do love coaching the college kids because 
it's just a complete polar opposites on, you know, the mental aspect and it's good to have both, you know, it's uh it's refreshing too, you know, so. That's sweet to have a facility like that. It's amazing. The club, the club uh, facilities are on the country. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, like I said, it's uh, sometimes I'll have my Queens guys in there, uh, especially this summer during the COVID lockdown, you know, they, they went in there and trained some and uh, it's, it's unreal. I mean, it is unreal. It's like I said, we'll have like, you know, for instance, we had Michonne Garrett down was it last week and they'll come in and be in awe. These guys, this is a kids club. Like what in the world, you know? So Dang. beautiful. Yeah. Well, knowing there's that much wrestling out there, I definitely need to make a trip out to the Carolinas. And if I do, we'll definitely hit you up, man. It's been an honor chatting with you and I'm so glad we could finally do it. Dude, thank you so much for having me on, man. Like I said, I'm a fan of this, this show and I've, I, I've enjoyed the Smith series, the Gable series. Like I said, the best one is a pick. Uh, what is it? Piccolo. Yes. Yes. Dude, like the, the guy would never even wrestled. Like it's crazy. <laughs> like, and he walks on at Michigan state and becomes a two time all American and a big 10 champ. I was just like, and I use him as an example. Uh, you know, we had a, uh, we had a kid like who was like battling, you know, uh, a little bit of sorry about that. I live right next to the fire stations. Don't worry about it. They're always going off, but no, we had a kid who was, uh, you know, a little sick and didn't sing about not wrestling like a dual match. I'm like, this guy wrestled, what was it, with Mono at the national tournament and takes six, you know? Losing the so first yeah. round, had to wrestle all the way back. Crazy. Like, yes. So, like, I'm like, dude, like, you're not that bad. Like, come on, toughen up. But, yeah, that's probably my favorite episode is because just listening to a guy who, like, essentially was like, came in the room as a hack, like didn't know how to drill. You could tell by the way he was telling it, no one wants to drill with him, but then works some way, works his way into like becoming like a two-time All-American, which is, it's just amazing, you know? So unbelievable. Yeah. Huge fan of the show. And like I said, I, that's everything from, you know, listening to people's careers and the coaching philosophies. Like it's been very instrumental as in for me as far as like even my coaching like learning something new every day so well i'm honored brother it means a lot that you listen and appreciate you uh taking some time to come on the show and just just share these stories it's been a great conversation we're gonna we're gonna drop it today in about two hours i appreciate it man like i said i'll be excited uh shout out to uh you know like i said i I, i've been so excited to do it I, i hope i'm not talking too much but like like i said i'm i'm a fan of this show and and i encourage people wrestlers coaches to listen to it because you're getting so much value for from it at least me like i said the coaching philosophy looking at like a john smith comparing them to dan gable or rob cole like it's it's good because you get that different perspective and insight on the mindset of how to train kids you know because never no guys the same. Uh, so we've got to train everyone differently here and there, but, uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to my, uh, jujitsu club here, Charlotte BJJ. I said, I'd give them props. So if you're in the Charlotte area, uh, that's the place to be. Uh, like I said, I don't spar or fight anymore, but I still have that competitiveness in me. So there's going to be no old timer tournaments, but maybe some BJJ <laughs> tournaments. Uh, and then, uh, lastly, we're taking uh, no query to the nationals this next week. 
I'm excited. We have the number one seed right away, but hey, it's like I told him, uh, we have to be everyone anyways to be the national champion. You know, just other things, like I said, I've learned through your podcast and through my career alone, visualization is huge. So you know what I did? I gave the kid my All-American plaque from, happened to be in St. Louis, both All-American plaques. Uh, I gave him one. I said, I want you to set this next to your bed. Look at it every morning, every night before you go to bed. Visualize you with that hardware. Don't look at the metal collar because it's bronze. Said, so take that out of the equation, but visualize looking at that and owning that after this tournament and nothing but good things are going to happen to you, man. So super excited. Uh, 174 pound kid. And I mean, I think, uh, I think if we go out and we compete and our minds, right. I think we, we challenge for a national title and vice versa. You know, if we were not ready to go. It could, it's going to be a tough tournament, man. That's all I got to say. Uh, nothing but positive stuff for that guy. And I, I believe, I believe you, this kid can do it, man. I'm extremely excited for him. And, uh, like I was telling him, I've only had good luck in St. Louis. So <laughs> in St. Louis, and like I said, I'm getting fired up talking about it. So I know well, he's ready to go. Well, best of luck to your guy, man. We're, we're pulling for him. And you. you just, uh, just all those, you know, division two, II, division three guys who are out there scrapping right now. I know it's been a crazy year. Hopefully next year we're back, but you know, and just props to, to Queens, man, for starting a program, you know, when they really didn't need to, I think it's awesome. And man, I I'm just, I'm awoke to the, uh, to the Carolina scene right now. I, that stat's not going to leave my head all day. I'm baffled yeah. by that stat. Seven yeah, no D one. I, I, I want to say it's seven, but at least six, six or yeah. five, we counted a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh Gardner Webb. I don't even know if I mentioned them, their division one. Here we go. Gardner Webb, uh, Gardner Webb, App State, Duke, NC State, North Carolina. There's five. Campbell. There's got to be one more. There I might be. It. Even that's a lot, though. I yeah. mean, man, great People to see. Know that. Oh yeah. So. No, it's it's great to see. Um, Paul Bradley, you're the man. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Yeah, man, Ryan. Like I said, I I appreciate taking the time and getting my story out there. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had a great conversation overcoming adversity and things in our lives. And, and, you know, just like I said, it's really good. I can't wait for my athletes to hear this and kind of get a little bit more into my story too, you know? So, you know, like I, so I'm just not yelling at them saying, <laughs> you, know, you know, they, they, they know I've done been through the fire. So. Absolutely. Well, take care, man. All right, man. Thank you for having me on again. That's it for this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, May 20th through the 23rd. You can register now at SpartanCombat.com. To watch the video interview of this episode, go to Wrestling Changed My Life on YouTube. You can also see the clips on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling Changed My Life. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time.